we got our eye on the enemy. And of course, this is all brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. And every week we take a look at the upcoming opponent for the Eagles. And we want to get an outsider's perspective, somebody that's close to the situation for the team that the Eagles are playing. And for that, for Dallas Week, of course, I got to have my buddy from Blogging the Boys, RJ Ochoa, on here to talk about it with me. RJ, brother, are you ready? To do this thing. i i am ready this is always a very stressful week and this this particular cowboys eagles game feels a little bit more stressful because it does feel like whatever team loses i mean that um th- those comments are going to be a cesspool uh all next week so i'm hopeful that it's you guys we've already talked about this matchup before i was on your podcast i would recommend it to eagles fans as well if they want to learn more about the cowboys but we kind of went over things i gave you my side of things now it's time for you to give me your side of things and coming into this thing Football Outsiders has this as the highest leverage game when it comes to playoff chances of the week. So super important primetime game, big time divisional showdown for the division lead. The Eagles playoff odds, if they win, shoot to 79%. It drops to 41% with a loss. The Cowboys go to 63% with a win, down all the way to 25% with a loss. So it's a super important game, not only for the Cowboys, but you start to get the feeling if it goes to a four-game skid, like it's a super important game for Jason Garrett. Would I be right in that assumption? Yeah, I think it's fair to say this is the most important game in his career. I mean, you know, this is a contract year for him. I think, you know, the narrative that he's on the hot seat has really picked up over the losing streak. But I mean, he's been on the hot seat from the moment they decided not to renew his contract after, you know, they were a playoff team on a playoff game last year. <laughs> and so, um, you know, going into it, having lost three in a row on primetime, as you mentioned, against the Eagles of all teams. I mean, that's the same team that two years ago in this same building handed them the worst loss ever at AT&T Stadium. If, if he goes into that bye, I mean, you know, when they were 3-0 and and Drew Brees got hurt, people were forecasting and thought, oh, this team's going to be 7-0 and going into the bye. And yeah. if, if he loses four in a row, it will be hot and it won't be comfortable. Absolutely. And things are starting to heat up, not only just with the, the implications of the matchup, but between coaches and players now. Me and you before had talked about Doug's comments, you know, his kind of guarantee and then he kind of walked it back a little bit in the press conference which I didn't love like I was okay with the the soft guarantee about winning the game like what do you expect your coach to say but now Demarcus Lawrence from the Cowboys struck back and basically said shut up stay your butt on the sideline what do you think of this back and forth is just this regular Dallas Eagles stuff or do you wish that on the Cowboys side they would internalize what the Eagles are saying and just kind of keep it quiet on their end yeah, I mean, definitely the latter. I thought what, what Doug said was fair, actually. I know we talked about that. I mean, you know, because he didn't, it wasn't brash. It wasn't, you know, bold. Like you said, it was it was kind of soft. And it was this perspective of, well, yeah, what's he going to say? I mean, you know, they're desperate. I mean, he, he, he wants, his plan is to win and be in first place in, in the NFC East. I mean, that all made sense. And I, I think Demarcus Lawrence responding in general is a bad idea, but especially to respond in such an aggressive way. And I, I tell you what, the immediate reaction among Cowboys fans has been a lot of eye rolling. I mean, Demarcus is really known uh, for throughout the week. He'll he'll give a really spicy soundbite. You know, he'll say something. He'll say that you know they got destroyed, they got killed, whatever. Uh, and and it's really funny and it's really cool when the team wins. But when you've lost three in a row, I mean, I think they have the twenty fifth best defense in the NFL by DVOA. I mean, and. and the second best offense you know for that matter I mean you know I don't know that Demarcus Lawrence is the dude that that should be clapping back especially when this had already died down it's just a really bad idea 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. And look, we're getting a lot of eye rolling on this side too, with the the comments being leaked from you know an Eagles player, Josina Anderson's report, and everything like that. When when that news hit, when that Josina Anderson report hit, don't tell me you didn't just get just just the slightest smile on your face. Oh, dude, I I ran. Uh, I, I saw it on my phone and I ran to write something up at, at bloggingtheboys.com uh, just because, I mean, it's it's great. And I, I will say it is fascinating just because I know there was the the other report earlier in the offseason about how some or I don't know, some players or one player finds Carson wants to be egotistical. Uh, and so especially, um, you know, when it comes to Carson specifically, because of the way the whole, you know, Wentz Dak thing has been, man, that was um that was pretty nice. Yeah, I was talking with somebody private. I won't put the name out there, but it's someone known to not really be the biggest fan of Carson Wentz. And we were talking about it in private. And he's like, look, Car- Wentz hasn't even played that that bad. He's played pretty well. He, he doesn't deserve that, like this strong anti-take against him, which is, isn't even all that accurate. So it's, it's, it's all super weird. Speaking of quarterbacks, though, and guys that I think are playing better than maybe the fan base or some writers will appreciate – I think Dak Prescott, you know, the offense is going to is is struggling a little bit and we're going to talk about Kellen Moore and all that in a second, but overall like I watched Dak against the Jets and I've talked about this on the QB Sco show. I don't think the loss was on him. I don't think it was his best game. He got zero help whatsoever. You look at the Eagles and the Cowboys, 17 drops, 16 drops respectively, both lead the league. They're not getting a whole lot of help from their defense too, but I think Dak is playing pretty well. How, what's your take on how he's played so far? Yeah, I think Dak has, has been exceptional. I think he's probably been the best player on the Cowboys through six games, and I know there's certainly a, a fair share of eye-rolling at that. I think he, he probably was playing at an MVP level early on, and you know people talk about the quality of opponents the Cowboys face, but um, you know I don't think any Cowboys player had a great game in new orleans ironically the defense played well uh but but nobody on offense played well i mean you know against the packers i thought Dak played really well i mean he had three interceptions the first one was that weird tip off of amari cooper the third he was you know anticipating a pass interference calling michael gallup but you're right i mean you know and believe me i know that you know we we use these things to cater to different points but you know it's almost as if playing against anybody let alone the new york jets of all teams uh you know even them if you're playing against them without your your starting tackles two of your starting receivers it's going to be difficult and and that's what happened to Dak Prescott um you know in New York I think he's you know he's really kind of developed into the quarterback the Cowboys want him to be he'll probably get paid as soon as the season's over uh but yeah he needs some help from his friends how are a lot of the fans uh reacting to his performance because I, I think I told you this too I saw a lot of parallels between the Eagles and Falcons game where the Eagles come in next thing you know they're scrapping guys they didn't think they're gonna have to scrap before the game they have to eliminate half of their playbook because it was 12 personnel they only carried two tight ends and Goddard couldn't go there was some there was a the drop from Nelson Aguilar at the end of the game the big one that would have been a touchdown a go-ahead touchdown that was dropped. I saw a lot of those same parallels with what happened in the with the Cowboys in that game. How did how were the fans responding to that? Because Wentz took a little bit of heat from the media, but I think most of the fans kind of backed him up and said, yeah, he had a really, really bad first half under some weird circumstances and may have been banged up. Second half, he played lights out. And I think Dak put up, put up a pretty good performance against the Jets too. Well, yeah, I think that that's a really, um, you know, they, the, both teams have that weird kind of gross loss, obviously. I don't know yeah. that, you know, I believe that the Sam Donald Jets are better than the Falcons or anything, but I mean, they both have that, you know, that interesting loss. And, and you're right. I mean, I believe Carson once left that game briefly, right? And Josh McCown came in, yeah. um, you know, so that's, that's always kind of been the difference, I think, between Dak and Wentz is Wentz has had to leave for whatever reason. But yeah, I, I don't know that anybody's really, 
know, bagged on DAC for okay. this. I mean, you you get your your you know because you, you get one of those for everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, DAC sucks. He's terrible. He's trash. Whatever. But most people seem to acknowledge that he played well, especially you know considering Amari Cooper left the game so early. They were already without Randall Cobb, um, and and beyond the fact that the Cowboys didn't have either Tyron Smith or Lyle Collins. I mean, Travis Frederick did not play well. Connor Williams has. I don't want to say always struggled, but he hasn't been he hasn't he hasn't been the same you know offensive lineman that that Tyron and, and Zach and Travis Frederick were when they just first stepped in for the Cowboys. He's he's struggled more, uh, you know, sort of for a normal NFL offensive lineman. But people are generally more accepting of Dak and his play uh, in terms of even through the losing streak. You mentioned the offensive line. I want to talk about that because before we get into the overall offensive struggles in the last three weeks, I think one of the big things to point out is the fact that Dak in that game against the Jets took a lot of hits and really hung in there tough. And I give him a lot of credit for that because that was that was a really tough game to watch just from seeing a guy get beat up like that. But pressure rates are up from weeks one to three. They're up from 21% to 44% in weeks four to six. There's definitely been some issues along that offensive line. And we can talk about maybe, you know, play action, having a role to play with that because you often go max protect and, and things are set up a little bit differently. And it, and it kind of stems the rush a little bit. I think they need to do that against the Eagles. But what is going on with the offensive line? Because what I saw was a lot of struggles in pass pro. I saw them struggle in the run game. They have struggled in the run game over the past three weeks. And, and you know, second half, I think they got it going more in the run game. But overall, this was not the unit that I expected to see when I put them on tape. They have definitely struggled. It's been interesting. You know, Travis Frederick obviously has come back uh, after the year away, and, and he talked even this past week about how he didn't play well against the Jets. They've just, I mean, very uncharacteristically gotten beat early and often. I mean, especially, you know, with a heavy emphasis on the early. I mean, and I know this is a really similar situation for the Eagles, that the Cowboys have just struggled so much to get out to leads. They've been in, in such big holes early on, especially through this three-game losing streak. I mean, this this whole offensive line, they made a really big change last season when they fired Paul Alexander in the middle of everything and promoted Mark Colombo. And I think he's he's done a great job, I mean, from that point till now. But I, I think, you know, you look at it, they're just – they're older now. You know, they're all getting hurt. I mean, we finally reached a point last season where Zach Martin had to miss time with an injury. Tyron Smith, you know, he's always good to miss a good three or four games. Now Lyle Collins is out. Travis Frederick, I mean, they're battling, you know, all of that with their age. Uh, they're just, you know, they're not the shiny, you know, you know, like when you get a new phone and you take the little film off or whatever and it's like perfect. Uh, you know, and then like, I mean, I've, I've been fortunate. I've never been the person that like dropped their phone and had the screen it. shatter. Yeah. But like you get that, like you get the nicks in the corners or the dust you know by the camera lens like that's just kind of who they are but that's a, that's an interesting way to frame that Let, let's talk about how that's impacted the over the overall offense with kellen moore at the helm calling plays their first year play caller there is there's obviously been a drop off and you mentioned they were the second ranked dvoa offense that's coming off a strong start weeks one through three they were the first dvoa offense and you know they they had earned that now we can talk about you know the competition that they were up against because they're facing the 31st combined ranked defenses and right now football outsiders because it's earlier on the season they don't fully opponent adjust yet so they're still second but if you look at weeks one through three and i keep hammering this because there's a huge line of demarcation there weeks one through three to week four through six touchdown frequency you know touchdown drive frequency is down points per game is down turnover drive frequency is up the ground game went from 5.5 yards per carry to 3.9 red zone production is down money down conversions are significantly down passing success rates, yards per attempt, pressure rates are up, play action is down. Like there's all of this this different stuff. And then, you know, from weeks four to six as well, 
Prescott leads the league with with 10 drops too. So that plays a part of it too. But what is the feeling about Kellen Moore? Because it feels like the shine has really rubbed off when people were really excited about him to start the season. It's strange. And I thought the promotion was strange. I mean, when it happened, I mean, given that, you know, I, I feel like people kind of forget about this. Kellen Moore, this is his second year coaching in the NFL in general. And I know, you know, his pedigree is great. And obviously he's, he's got a, a long sort of coaching lineage in his family. Uh, but it, it kind of felt like that New Orleans game shifted what they wanted to do. Obviously, the Saints had a lot of success against them defensively. And ever since then, I mean, you know, that game was kind of this this great back and forth. And, you know, they had some weird things. If, if you really watch that New Orleans game, Jason Witten had, you know, the fumble. Randall Cobb had the drop on third and two. Zeke Elliott had that weird fumble that was challenged that ultimately wasn't reversed. And, you know, they've had a lot of success at moving the ball. It's just that, you know, they, they, can't, they can't finish for whatever reason. And so that was the New Orleans game. And then I feel like Kellen's offensive plan, for lack of a better term, was really thrown out the window. I mean, they fell down 31 to 3 against the Packers. They fell down 21 to 3 against the Jets, which is still a rough sentence uh, to come to terms with. And so I think, you know, they've just been they've been taken out of their element. They've been taken out of what they want to do. And and that's always been a weakness of Jason Garrett's team in general, Kellen Moore or not. I mean, they're very good when things go according to plan, like I think a lot of NFL teams are. But, you know, when they have to adjust, they've always done poorly which is interesting because you know the third quarter is their their best point differential so Mm -hmm. far this season but you mentioned i mean the play action is just i don't know you guys do such a great job at educating people i don't know when people are going to realize that play action works you know the (laughs) the first first half of the season uh so far Dak prescott was using play action 39 percent of the time and these last three weeks he's used it 16% 16% of the time. It's mm-hmm. just why. I, I mean, and a lot of that I do sort of lump up to game situation. You know, when you're down 28 points, it's just more difficult to have anybody believe that it's real. So th- there's some talk around, and I, I've seen this mostly on Dallas Twitter, so you can tell me if it's spurious or not, but there, there's some chatter, and I think Dallas fans are starting to want to think that Jason Garrett has kind of taken over the offense a little bit from Kellen Moore. This is still Kellen Moore's offense, though, right? He's the one calling the plays, correct? He is. Um, Jason Garrett certainly has a big... Uh, presence in in terms of the construction of the game plan. Yeah, sure. Uh, You know, Tony Romo said something uh, during the Jets game because the Cowboys had him on the call that really just like ruffled a lot of feathers. That's right. Uh, You know, he said that he saw Jason Garrett's fingerprints all over the offense and people took that and just ran with that quote (laughs) in a negative way. Uh, But but Tony Romo said that it reminded him, uh, you know, that what he understands is that Jason Garrett's trying to revert things back to what the Cowboys were doing in 2007 and 2009. And those are two of the greatest offenses in Cowboys franchise history. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that the Cowboys beat the Eagles in back to back weeks in 2009 uh, uh, in week 17 to win the <laughs> NFC East and then in the wild card round in the first year at AT&T Stadium. But uh, it was Cowboys I can, I can always trust you to remember those things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that's uh, that's how it rolls. But in 2007, they lost to the Giants in the divisional round. That sucked a lot. But um, so, the, you know, Romo meant that I think in, in my take was on it, on it, at least was in a complimentary way. And so Jason Garrett definitely has kind of, you know, when, when you think about who they are, they, you know, we mentioned DVOA. They're really an efficient offense. I, mm. um, I tweeted this on Friday. Um, they're the second best offense in the NFL from a yards per game perspective. And you can look at it. In, in a number of ways and of all the teams that they're sort of lumped in that group with the Ravens are number one Cowboys two Niners three Seahawks four Texans five I took the Chiefs out just because the Mahomes thing kind of yeah. muddied that um, and of those five teams the Ravens are first in average time of possession the 49ers second the Seahawks fourth the Texans sixth the Cowboys are 17th I mean they're <laughs> they're they're doing really good things on offense 
offense. You know what I mean? They're just, they're super efficient, but they just can't sustain anything. And I think that that's kind of, you know, that's a big change in overall disposition because that was, that was who Jason Garrett's offense was these last few years is just dominate time of possession, just eat it up, run the ball, feed Zeke, you know, ice the game, whatever, however you want to put it. And they've really kind of flipped that. And I think they're still learning who they are in that. So you, you kind of alluded to some of the, to use the baseball term, the run support that Dallas is getting. And I think that falls on the defense. When we come back after break, we're going to talk about the defense and we'll get to some final predictions. That's right here on BGN. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on BGN, I on the Enemy, episode number five. Michael Kiss here with RJ Ochoa of Blocking the Boys. RJ, all right, so we talked about the offense. We talked about some Jason Garrett, some Dak and all that. Let's flip side to the defense because right now they are not giving a whole lot of support to this offense. They are 28th in takeaways per game, which obviously puts the offense in some weird situations, some long fields and everything like that, not putting them in a position to score and have that sudden change type deal. This defense was supposed to be a strength for this team and was a strength for them, I would say, a a driving force behind their push late in the season last year to get into the playoffs. What has happened? You know, I I agree with all of that. And I was worried. I mean, myself, um, you know, from a general NFL perspective, it feels like having a great defense is such a difficult thing to repeat year in and year out. And, you know, when I talked about this, I I I referenced the 2017 Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, like they fell off, uh, you know, that that team kind of imploded, but to a great degree last season. And we haven't really seen them. You know, people were talking like, oh, this is the next great group and everything. You know, the Cowboys paid Demarcus Lawrence. And I think he's played all right. You know, there is this this group of people that just are, are slandering him all over the Internet. And and he's certainly a large reason why Robert Quinn has had the obvious success that he's had. But yeah. at the end of the at the end of the day, I mean, if if you're going to get paid, I mean, Demarcus Lawrence to date is the richest player in Dallas Cowboys franchise history. People are going to expect more. And he hasn't really done more. You know, the Cowboys, it looked like they were going to get a huge boost from, you know, the interior of their defensive line with Malik Collins, who was playing well when the season began. He's kind of faded off. They were missing Antoine Woods, who's great in run support. He he returned against the Jets. Um, obviously, you know, the run game wasn't really the problem there. But, you know, I, I think the biggest sort of change is people made such a huge deal. I don't know how many 
tweets that were over the offseason. Oh, the Cowboys have the best. I, I think Zach Ertz even said that the Cowboys have the best linebacking core in the NFL this week. I've said it a bunch, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's a fair thought. You know, everybody, I think, thought, oh, Leighton Vanish is going to get even better. Jalen Smith is, you know, his story is so great. And none of that is not true, but they really have played quite poorly. I mean, Leighton specifically, I think, has been the biggest individual disappointment on the Cowboys defense so far this season. I mean, he got destroyed by Aaron Jones a couple weeks ago. And, it, you know, I know that Eagles fans are really down on, like, Miles Sanders. I'd tell you what, like, Miles Sanders and Leighton Vanderesh, that's not a, a matchup I'd be looking forward to. Uh, but, I mean, so that's that's really weighing them down. I mean, uh, you know, and, and they've been hurt. I mean, I, I hate to go back to that, too. But you know, one of one of their healthier players is Sean Lee, to put it all in perspective. <laughs> that's, that's a fair point. And, you know, you mentioned the Demarcus Lawrence thing being paid in the expectations that come with that. It reminds me of Fletcher Cox when he got first paid in Philadelphia. His production wasn't, you know, bombastic at the time right out of the gate. So he got a little bit of criticism, too. I think that'll sort itself out. I think Tank is super talented. LVE, super talented as well. I agree. When I watched the film, I was surprised with the level, which I wouldn't say he was playing poor, but I was saying he's playing well under expectation. Jalen sure. Smith has been kind of streaky, but he's got some fantastic moments. Um, I love his story, too. So I'm a big fan of his. When, when you look at the secondary, and I guess right now you say they're banged up, and, and they are. You look at the injury report. You see what's going on with Byron Jones. You see what's going on with Anthony Brown. Do you, do you expect either or both uh, or none of those guys to play uh, this coming matchup with the Eagles? I think Byron will play. Anthony, I'm not as confident on personally. And, and you know, honestly, though, and believe me, I'm a big fan of Anthony Brown. He's part of that 2016 Cowboys draft class that, that featured, you know, Jalen and Malik Collins and Dak and Zeke, obviously. Um, but, you know, the Cowboys have Jordan Lewis on their team who has yeah. struggled to get onto the field because he doesn't meet the Cowboys' physical requirements, which is really dumb and stupid and archaic. Uh, he's but good, he, right? He's so good. I mean, yeah. you know, and and the Cowboys, they really struggle at generating turnovers. And that's not just a this season thing. It's not just a last season thing. I mean, for we're talking five, six years, they've just been allergic to really. They, they had that great 2014 season uh, where they really just kind of benefited from some lucky bounces. But other than that, I mean, they struggled to take the ball away. Jordan Lewis is kind of one of the only guys that's capable of doing that. He had an interception last week against the Jets. He had the big interception on Drew Brees last season when the Cowboys beat the Saints. He just he's a guy who. I mean, this is a, a dumb, you know, simplistic way to look at it, but he's a guy who comes up big in big moments, and this is obviously one of those. So while Anthony Brown might be out, it would push Jordan Lewis onto the field. It would force that hand for the Cowboys, and I think a lot of Cowboys fans want to see that, you know, and then, you know, he'll just have a bad game and everybody will find a new thing to complain about. Let's let's talk about the rest of the injuries before we get to the predictions here. Amari, Lail, Tyron, who do you think plays? Uh, <laughs> you know, I um, th there's been a growing sense that none of them will play, uh, which would be terrifying. Um, you know, I think you and I both believe this happens, but nobody would ever cop to it. I, I fully believe that the Cowboys rested Tyron and Lyle and took Amari out as early as they did last week because you've got the Eagles next week. You know, I mean, if you're going to lose one of those two games, as embarrassing as it is, you'd rather lose to the Jets and the Eagles. Yeah. And so, I mean, they, they seemingly have have played it smart to this point. If I had to bet, I would say that maybe Tyron plays and Amari would be my second most likely. I don't think Lyle Collins is going to play. Not having Tyron Smith is a huge problem for the Cowboys. They've had Brandon Knight playing right tackle in Lyle yeah. Collins' absence. And, <laughs> and honestly, though, I mean, not that he's Lyle Collins, but he's played He's played well for a rookie. I mean, you know, he's um, he's survived, which is more so uh, than I would say for Cam Fleming on the left side, right. um, who the Eagles certainly had success against in the Super Bowl. But I, I would say that Lyle Collins is the most doubtful of that group. But, you know, it's it's going to be shaky when it comes to all three of them. 
Yeah. With Brian Knight, you know, you, you think this is a guy that you won't need to be ready right away. And he needed right. to be ready right away. And I think, I think, you know, he did an admirable job for the position that he was put in. But at the same time, you know, you're going to, you're going to notice that drop off. Okay. Let's get to the predictions. RJ, how you calling it, man? Like, don't be like me. Don't be a coward. Don't put any caveats with like Amari Cooper. Right. You know, that, that's me. That's my voice. But <laughs> how do you think this game is going down? Well, so I forgot something um, that I remembered on Friday, actually. I didn't remember. I saw it somewhere. Um, Jim Schwartz was the head coach in Detroit when Kellen Moore joined the Lions as a player. I didn't even remember that. I, I found that to be, you know, an interesting little detail. I don't know how much Jim Schwartz anticipated Kellen to be, you know, uh, an offensive genius for three weeks. Uh, what was it? Six, seven years later. But um, I think that's a relevant data point, certainly. Um, you know, things change and whatever. But I don't know that the Cowboys offense is going to have the same levels of success here. And, you know, I know that every Eagles fan is probably like, dude, our secondary is trash and this this. Deep defense is awful whatever yeah dude but i mean the cow for the cowboys had every reason in the world to run the ball all over the packers and they didn't yeah. you know they, yeah. they just didn't and so they they're a team that that not only plays down to their opponent and not that the eagles are a down opponent for them but they play down to the situations they play down to you know apparent advantages like they did against the packers and so especially if there's no Amari Cooper, I don't think the cowboys are going to challenge the eagles in the secondary i think this is is a low scoring game and so that's why if the Cowboys win, I think it's something like 17-16. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm going to do it. I'm going to say 17-16 Cowboys and it's going to be really stressful. It's it's <laughs> going to be uh, it's going to be tight. But I wouldn't I would not be shocked, certainly, if the Eagles managed to pull this off again. They, they gave the Cowboys the biggest loss they've ever had in this building just two years ago there. Me, me and Ben were talking about it. We're like, they're so bad in the first quarter, but they're so good, both of them, in the third quarter. Like, it's going to start out 0-0, zero to zero, and next thing you know, the floodgates are just going to open right. wide open. It's going to be a boat race. So I'll say, it, I'll say this, though, not, not to cop out, but I saw you know Doug Peterson. I meant to ask you this when we talked, but yeah. I know he said he, he he's thinking about, you know, instead of deferring, taking the ball to start the game and going yeah. no huddle early on. And I'll, I'll say this. If the Eagles do that, you know, and because the Cowboys have been defer- forever, the Cowboys were the team that took the ball, took the ball, took the ball uh, to start the game, but they've been deferring more often than not. And so I'll say this, not not to add an if qualifier like you did, but if the Eagles take the ball, not if they're given the ball by the Cowboys, but if they win the toss, take the ball, go down and score, I think mm. that's a really bad sign for the Cowboys. Let's say one score and the other doesn't. Do you think that's the winner right there, like those first two drives? I think that actually only from the Cowboys' perspective, because I, okay. I also hadn't totally, I, I had sort of, I knew the idea, but I hadn't put it all together. I wrote something about this, um, that the Eagles have trailed by at least 10 points in <laughs> yeah. five of their six games. That's nuts. And they were down 24 to three against the Vikings. And if Alshon doesn't go, I've, I've talked about this play a thousand times, but if Alshon doesn't go out of bounds, it's 24-24. They still got it to 24-20 at one point. Yeah, I mean, so I, I mean, I think that they're both teams that kind of thrive on, on, you know, having their back against the wall in a weird way. Um, But so I think if the Cowboys are able to go up 10 points, if they're able to hit that mark, I think that's enough. And I think they can kind of cruise on that. All right, RJ. Always a pleasure having you on here. Make sure you're checking out RJ on blogging the boys. Anything else you want to plug for the gentle listeners? Let them know where you, they can uh, find you on social media, bud. Uh, I'm on Twitter and the gram at RJ Cho. I make it simple. One name, two places. You know, blogging the boys podcast feed. We are very proud of BGN and everything you guys do. You do such a great job uh, for all of SB Nation. Uh, you guys lead the way. And uh, it's pretty cool to say that, you know, uh, our cousin takes down Adam Schefter. And, and what would you say? Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know, yeah. I mean, hey, yeah. uh, watch out. <laughs> Out. So um, uh, keep up the great work. We're big fans. And if you do want a Cowboys spin on things, uh, the Blog and the Voice podcast feed is available. Thanks so much, RJ. For sure.
E-G-N.